Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Welcome back to the Think Orphan podcast. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation. I am Phil Dark with my co-host, Brandon Stiver. Super excited, as always, to be getting uh, to talk with some, you know, really just a super interesting guy today um, and uh, talking about a really important topic. So, Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's uh, it's cold, you know, uh, winter time is, uh, you know, it's a little it's a little more bitter up here in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, I'm not in I'm not in Tanzania anymore. I'm not in SoCal anymore either. But uh, we're, we're we're hunkering down. We're doing all right. Yeah. How are things in your neck of the woods, bro? You know, we were just talking about that with that beard, with the with that, yeah. you know, kind of skull cap. You kind of looking like the hipster slash, uh, you know, homeless. Yeah. That's going right. on. So that's right. it's, and it's those a good two look. Are, it's, it's the right look. And that's what yeah. I say, man. The colder, yeah. the colder it gets, the more hipster I become. Yeah. And uh, I'm okay with that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't look like a hipster during the summer, but during the winter I do. So well, you could look and dude. So it's easy. You know, you could pull off whatever oh, look, bro. You can look, pull off whatever, you know, that's I just, nice of you. I don't think I could pull it off. I don't think, I think my kids would like make fun of me all the time. I, I, I just, they make fun of me anyway, no matter what I wear, but then they go into my closet and wear my clothes. So, you know, I, th- I think, you know, that was the thing. I, like the first time I went to my, uh, to visit my daughter at college she literally had my vanderbilt law sweatshirt on with my pajama bottoms on which i thought that was the stranger of the two but she literally <laughs> her entire outfit was, was her dad's it was weird I, I i will not lie it was it was odd it's not one of those things like i'm proud of my daughter that she she uh was looking like that but you know whatever because he never i've never Fashion, been man. accused of being fashionable uh, ever once in my life but so, if your daughter contrary, wears it I'm fat. But if your water for daughter wears teenage it, teenage college is... girls apparently. So that's that's something. I don't know. Right. Whatever. And anyway, if she wears hey. it, it becomes fashionable. If she yes. wears it, it becomes fashionable. That's what. That's probably so. what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. just not me. So anyway. So that's not what we're talking about today at all. Um, yeah. But I will we say. We talked about we talked about sports we, last time. I don't. Yes. I really. I don't know if they were into that, but they definitely don't want to hear me and you talk about fashion. No, I, that, that is that definitely a, not that would be a no go. <laughs> That is very true. World Cup is is kicking off here pretty soon from when we're recording this. When we release this, we'll be right, you know, we'll be like far along in the World Cup. So I'm super psyched about that. But yeah, I think, you know, we we skip fall here in uh, in Northern California as well. It went straight from summer heat to cold. And I'm not a big fan of that. I love fall. So I'm kind of bummed about all that, but it is what it is. We're going to move on and we're going to move on today to uh, talk about some really important issues in the area of foster care. And so, uh, Brandon, why don't you who you got? Yeah, we got uh, Justin Black coming on to the show today. He is uh, he's a father. He's a husband. He's a foster care alum. And uh, yeah, him and his wife wrote this uh, wrote this wrote this great book and uh, we're just going to hear some stories, just hear a little bit about their ministry and their work. And, uh, I think it's going to be good. You know, we always love to get, uh, care experienced people on here. And, um, so yeah, we're excited to just hear from Justin and hear what he has to say and hear what stories he has to share. Well, uh, Justin Black, it is uh, a pleasure to have you on the Think Orphan podcast. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing amazing. Uh, happy to be here and happy to be able to talk to you guys. Cool. Well, we're glad to have you. 
You know, uh, Justin, we know you got a, a new book out and some different things that you guys are working on, but can you take a minute and just share a little bit with our, uh, a little bit of your personal story as well as, you know, about the the work that you and your wife, Alexis, are up to? Yeah, of course. So again, my name is Justin Black. I'm from Detroit and uh, just a privilege and honor to be here with you guys. And I'm a foster care alumni, uh, have 12 years of lived experience in care and aged out and I believe that was 2018, uh, 2018, yeah, 2018 when I uh, aged out of foster care. And uh, yeah, so for me, I have, you know, lived experience in care and uh, a lot of generational trauma is what we discuss and talk about in our book and business. And for me being from Detroit and with my family and environment and a dynamic, uh, there were two generations of domestic violence on my dad's side and three generations of drug abuse on my mom's side. So that kind of left me in the middle to kind of figure out some things. And, and the household kind of seeing a lot of things being normalized that was unhealthy, had mm-hmm. to uh, kind of figure out who am I in the midst of all of this? Who am I and how? what pathway do I want to take? And at nine years old, I entered the foster care system. So with that being said, I had so many things to figure out. I still knew my biological family, lived with them for a while, other family members, and trying to kind of work things out. And, you know, it wasn't until I was around 17 years old that I stopped living outside the lens of trauma for my life and with having that as a part of my identity and utilizing, you know, other aspects and seeing the world from a different perspective, uh, having many mentors and other people around me kind of support me and love me during that process and help me uh, view my opportunities from a limitless uh, standpoint. And with that being said, now being the authors, a keynote speaker, a business owner, a dad now, and just so many other things and roles that I have that I never thought I could imagine uh, for myself uh, during my time in foster care and before entering into the system. Well, it, you know, you just gave a, a a list of things there, and and you mentioned Detroit. So I do just need to check: Are you like a Pistons fan? Are you a Lions fan? Are you? Unfortunately, are, is... I am a Lions fan. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a Vikings fan, and we were not gonna, you know, this is an orphan care and foster care uh, podcast, so we won't bore anybody like we did last uh, episode talking sports. But I'm a Vikings fan, so I just had to check if you're a Lions fan. I am sorry, bro. Sorry, yeah, that we're you got the Vikings it. beard too. I see you, man. And there you know, you it's a hard life, you know. I see you guys, you're on, you're on top right now, doing good. I want to make it a sports conversation, but you know, you guys are sitting well, doing good in life. <laughs> you know, you get you just smiling for no reason now, and you know, I see it. I, I see just it. had to check, you know, Detroit. We got love for Detroit. It's uh, only a matter of time that the Vikings will will fall, though. I mean, that that's kind of the mo. It's just we've never MO. won a Super Bowl. We yeah. know all about falling. Yeah. So at least and that, at least our team doesn't, you know, make us get our hopes up or anything like that's right. Your that's team gets your hopes up and make you think you you can right. do something, but you know, we know we're not good. So we the bar it. is low. The bar yeah. is low in Detroit. Exactly. All right. Yeah, but you had Barry Sanders, so that was you know that that, that that made it for career was decades. cut short though. I mean, yeah, he but. All our legends leave us early. So I'll just say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it would be really boring if we talked about the Lions and the Vikings. So we will not do that um, for our audience sake. Um, but uh, yeah, Justin, man, I, I I love that list too. And I just love hearing the joy you had as you said father. And, you know, that's that's such a huge part of what we talk about on the show is the importance of that fatherhood and the importance of of being able to to create families and to to make families. And so with with. While we're talking about foster care here today, specifically, 
um, you know, that's something we want to dive, dive deeper into is, is this foster care. So obviously that's what you're doing. That's what your passion is. That's what your, your, uh, organization is all a part of, but, uh, well, we're not, but we do also want to recognize, you know, foster care alumni are not a monolith. It's not like everyone we can say, oh, this is what happens if you're in foster care with everyone. It's obviously different, but are there trends? And we know there are, but what are some of those trends that uh, foster care alumni might experience or struggle through as they leave care in particular? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest trends is just uh, the foster care to prison pipeline, mm-hmm. um, having children as teenagers, starting families very young, uh, unfortunately not getting their education or, or I think around 50, 55 percent of foster care youth uh, finish high school. Only three percent graduate with a degree nat- uh, on a nationwide basis. And it, it, those are some just some of the unfortunate circumstances. And if they are successful, if they do go to college, if they do uh, pursue a career. I think it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but a lot of foster care youth, I feel like foster care kind of rips your dreams away. You know, some of the dreams and ideas that we had as children, some of us feel like we need to center our life or our businesses and our career around foster care, whether there's being a social worker. And and again, uh, social workers have changed my life, Alexa's life. So this is not any shot towards social workers or anybody doing advocacy work with policy or anything like that. But I just see so many foster care youth feel as if they need to do something foster care related. And I want to kind of inspire foster care youth with our businesses, with our book and everything that we do to dream beyond just the foster care system. Uh, What was that dream that you had before, you know, the world corrupted uh, uh, your dreams and your pathway and everything? What are some of the things you want to do before that? And, you know, being an engineer, a doctor, an astronaut, whatever it may be, a writer, author, whatever it may be, and have that as a part of your experience as a foster care youth, but not making it your entire existence moving forward. And, you know, if you are an astronaut or something like that, notice you are still serving and contributing to youth and foster care with the inspiration, whatever it be, you are still and I feel like that uh, for foster care youth were put in such a box um, and I wouldn't even get into the stereotypes from the outside looking in, but I think just for a lot of foster care youth are put in such a box uh, with their careers and just the path that's set before them. That's unfortunate that, you know, it is very limited seems seemingly. Yeah, definitely. And so, so how can, what are some, what are some strategies? What are some strategies that we can, we can have as we understand that there's this prison pipeline, there's this lack of education, there's all these different things that are happening that, you know, what, what can we do about it? What are, what are some things that you've learned and shared with others that's working um, about supporting foster care alumni as they enter adulthood, but also maybe going back a little bit, you know, and saying, how can we, how can we, you know, flip the script? What, what, what can we do about it? Yeah, I would say first things first is exposure. Uh, Exposure is huge to different careers, different possibilities. And I mean, I think my my wife loves talking about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I can't remember the order off top, but I know one of the biggest things is love. It's it's one of the biggest things that's uh, foundational is the basic needs of food, water, shelter. So one, make sure that they have that, of course, because there are a lot of foster care youth who are going homeless after they age out and not receiving no support. So trying to support them with that and making sure that they can, uh, they're in position to give that to themselves on their own. And then secondly, that love of, you know, 
a lot of us are missing out on parental love. We're still heartbroken. We're still dealing with that trauma that we've experienced from our biological family. So filling in the gaps of that it is definitely important with uh, you may not be a, a mother or father. They may not want you to be a mother and father to them, but just filling in that gap of love and support that they need um, as they transition out. I know there are so many uh, people who grow up in traditional families in a two-parent household who go to college. And what I didn't know is that a lot of people go to college and graduate and they move back home with their parents for a couple of years until they get settled in their career. And for foster care youth, not only do we not have family to rely on, but we don't have anybody to lean back on as we get settled into our career. So supplying those basic needs until we're able to get on our feet and then just exposure to different careers, different possibilities, different opportunities and having these conversations of what was your dreams and things that you wanted to do before foster care or like dreaming, like if, if foster care wasn't the thing that you've experienced in your life, what would be some of the things that you would love to do that you would pursue and want to achieve in your life and not letting foster care be the ceiling to your dreams and your ideas? Yeah, you know, and I just were curious what your thoughts on this. And I, I, I think what you're getting at, I mean, a lot of what you're saying here is, is that love that we can love these kids and we can, we can really commit to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh Ship, who we had on this show early on, I don't know if you know Josh, but he's a advocate for foster care youth as well said uh, every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. Right? I, I, can't, I hate to cut you off, but yeah. uh, no, cut me off. Tell me what, what's the, the quote. That is the quote in the beginning of our book. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah, so I don't know him personally, but I, I use that quote in our book. So shout out to Josh Ship. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you, you agree with that, you know, and, and uh, you know, Tell me what that looked like in maybe in your life, maybe what and what that looked like, uh, what you think it can look like in others and what from, you know, he obviously lived the life as well. And so it's not just some theory. No, yeah, of course. Uh, For me, I would say that there wasn't just one caring adult. Um, There was so there was a community of people and. And with our workshops, we do workshops and trainings with our company now. One of the biggest things that we talk about is making sure that the individuals that are serving foster care youth, whether they are foster parents, uh, adults, advocates, church members, whatever it may be, that they're not just doing this alone, that I I love that there is one caring adult that can serve and help and love foster youth, but we need an entire community that can surround us. Cause if one person is telling us that you are amazing, you can be successful, you can go to college or you can be an entrepreneur. If there's only one person telling us that, then we can just easily, you know, blow them off. Like, yeah, whatever you believe in me. And, you know, and sometimes that's what that, that may be the only thing that we have, but if you can work towards building an entire community or neighborhood of people to surround foster care youth with so they continue to hear the same messages. For me, when I was 17, I moved into a group home that was funded by a church. And at this church, I had a bunch of different mentors, people who taught me how to drive, math tutors. I had a bunch of people around me just supporting me and loving on me. And they all had the same message, you know, of me being successful. I had like a, I think a 1.9 GPA coming into the house. I, I left there with like a 2.3, 2.4, I, cause I came there my sophomore year and I was able to get into college and graduate college with a 3.3. 
And they just pour so much love into me that I feel like I wasn't even working hard for myself. I feel like they believed in me so much that I needed to work hard for them. So sur surrounding youth as much as you can. And one of our big phrases that we always use in our trainings is being a puzzle piece, not a superhero. I know, I know sometimes one person being involved, they can, they can do everything, uh, can sometimes lead to them wanting to be a savior or a superhero. But we are neither one. You know, uh, but we need to be puzzle pieces in order to support youth and help them be who they need to be for themselves. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I talk about that with my the coaches that we have because we have, you know, we coach. I coach high school soccer, and we have all these different. We have kids coming in who are who are fatherless, who are you know hurting, who have these several you know all kinds of there's a lot of these same issues we're talking about you know on this show throughout. And what I have to remind the coaches is you're not their savior. You're not, you, you know, you cannot put that on yourself. That's, that's unfair to you and it's unfair to the kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can love them and you can care for them and you can pour into them and you can commit to them and, you know, and they can't see you as their everything and you can't feel like you are, that would yeah. never be the right thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think even when we realize just the experiences of those kids. So whether they're on like the football team or you're interacting with them in the group home, like Justin spent some of his uh, adolescent years in, you know, those experiences, uh, the, that adversity can be quite, you know, different from what we might consider standard or normal or so on. And I, I know that that type of sentiment is is a big part of, you know, why you and Alexis wrote Redefining Normal. You know, it's it's in that book where you guys are really diving into your experiences from growing up and, and also, you know, sharing the story of what it looks like to heal over time, you know, and, mm -hmm. and there is that key premise that, you know, you you build on, which is just, you know, you might experience something your entire life and, and that might be an adverse experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, but just because you're going through that adversity, just because you going through those traumatic experiences that doesn't mean that it's normal. So can you can you just kind of share with us a little bit about that premise, you know, from your experience, what what are some of aspects of life that you had to kind of relearn, you know, just in your discovery of of healing and love? Yeah. And, and with the book, the concept uh, is it's called Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discover Healing, Happiness and Love. And, and the concept is just around. Uh, for people who've experienced trauma, for people who've gone through foster care, for people who've gone through, quote unquote, unusual circumstances, uh, we get accustomed to a normal based on the influence of our family, the influence of our community and the influence of society overall. So with these things being said, I talk about the generational things that were going on in my family, on my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. Things that society tells me as a black man, things society tells or my community around me being filled with poverty and drugs and crime and everything else. All these entities telling me who I am and who I should be, that shapes my normal, my idea of myself, my identity and my pathway moving forward. So me growing up in this environment, my end result was already dictated for me. And I had to go through the process of renewing my mind, kind of digging things up from the roots of what I thought and my perspective and getting on track with uh, my faith helped me renew my mind. Uh, seeing myself uh, as the creator uh, uh, saw me really helped me uh, renew my mind and going through that healing process of, you know, it's not it's not uh, understanding that 
even though my mom may have put me through some things, my dad may have put me through some things. Once I became like an older teenager or adult, I could understand that they didn't know how to be parents or they went through their own set of trauma that they like they that became their normal. So they just naturally passed that down to me. So I had to take it upon myself as a part of my responsibility not to pass that down to my child and being super intentional, looking at every area of my life as far as my mental health, spiritual health and emotional health um, and even my financial, every every single area, physical health, every single area of my life. Not to say that I'll be perfect, but make sure that I'm at least going in the right direction. Uh, and, you know, there, there are areas where, of course, we all need to improve, but making sure we're walking in the right direction in those areas was something that was important for me and something that I wanted to pass down to my child. And like I said, being in that group home uh, uh, and funded by the church, supported by the church, surrounded by a loving community really helped me change my mind because the wor- those words of affirmation that I received uh, was kind of pushing out all the negative things that I heard throughout my life that I was told to by my parents pushed all those negative things out and helped me to kind of shape an identity for myself that was conducive for not only just me, but for my children, hundreds and hundreds of years down the line, creating a solid foundation for them that they can build on and continue to grow from. No, that's really good. And and it makes me think of two things. One, you know, Justin, I just appreciate uh, you sharing your story and including even that time in the group home. You know, there may be some of our listeners that realize that we have a very, you know, pointed emphasis on family. And that's for good reason. And we'll continue to do that. You know, when we do talk about a continuum of care of different types of services that can reach, you know, children and youth that have gone through adversity, congregate care settings are on that spectrum. And for good reason, because sometimes that is the best solution for a given kid. And it's often, you know, uh, youth that are, you know, around the same uh, demographic that that uh, age demographic that Justin was when when he entered, and it seems like from what you're sharing, it had a really positive experience. So I just want to underscore that you know we absolutely need therapeutic settings. We need the church involved. Um, you know, for youth that um, are still in care but are actually needing a different type of service, and sometimes that is in a residential. Uh, group home or or what have you. So I, I just want to underscore that, but I also kind of want to circle back. Or were you going to say something to that, uh, Justin? Just real quick, I, I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to say that I'm a huge advocate of. of group I know you're home. not, and neither are I, we. My my point was just the community aspect. Right. Uh, that's just that's just it. Just happened to be the group home that was funded by the church. But right. my point is just what the church was able to provide, and your community may be may not be the church, it may be something else. But for me, the church was who taught me how to drive, math tutoring, and people to just love on me, give me what I needed in the moment uh, where I needed it. So making sure that we emphasize community and adults speaking life into children and replacing all the negative words and experiences uh, that we've experienced throughout our childhood and adolescent years with happy memories, loving memories, and positive and encouraging words. As cliche as that sounds, words matter. Absolutely. And, and Justin, you don't, you don't, you don't know me or, or what we do at 1 million home probably, but uh, we have never been uh, tagged as advocates of anything that looks like how to get care. <laughs> so, uh, so I just did want to kind of underscore that uh, because I just love the story of how that community did come around you uh, as you were preparing to enter adulthood yourself. I did want to circle back around uh, the family care aspect as well, or family 
dynamic, I should say, you know, one of the things that you do describe in the book, Justin, is is really violence in the home. And one of the things that that you, you know, even said was actually engaging in that violence was the only way to be a part of the family and get the attention that you were craving. You know, th- that that to to some people might sound like, oh my goodness, that's you know, what is that even like? Can you can you share with us, you know, more about that type of adversity in your childhood? And, you know, what 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 are the implications, you know, when children are entering care coming out of those types of experiences, right, where violence has potentially been normalized and, and they're engaging in that? Can you just share with us a little bit about about that piece that you wrote about in your book? Yeah, definitely. So with that aspect of, you know, it, it kind of we're super intentional about starting young when we we're children on you know, our experiences, because as a child, you don't know right from wrong. And the idea behind right and wrong, it it varies based on household, based on community standard expectation. So this idea of right and wrong was kind of blurred for me. And my, my right, in a sense, was whatever uh, gained attention from gained attention where I, I gained attention and acceptance from my peers, my family. That was kind of my my right. And because nobody exactly taught me, at least I didn't know right from wrong. And I kind of just mimicked the behaviors of those around me. Again, growing up in the household where there was domestic violence and uh, in the household where there was a lot of fighting. And when I say fighting, I don't mean like just like screaming and yelling, but like physical, uh physical things going on and and assault pretty much. So Growing up in an environment, in a household like that, and in the neighborhood that reflected that same thing, you kind of adapt to your environment. And a lot of times for youth who grew up in these environments, sometimes it, it may be them adjusting, but sometimes it may be just them surviving. And so many youth are going through survival mode. And if your mind is set on survival mode, even if you leave that environment, some youth may need it to steal in order to eat. Some youth may need it to uh, fight in order to gain respect and love. And that was part of my story. And a lot of times we take youth out of these environments and just say, oh, you know, this is going to be a new environment. You don't have to fight and steal anymore. Everything should be good. Right. But wrong because you're still in survival mode. And a lot of times when you take youth out of that environment, that's really their chaos. Because if for me, when I live with my aunt after I uh, entered foster care, uh, I uh, I had a bedtime. I had um, dinner at a certain time. I had to have all these rules and structure. And for me, that was chaos. It was I I hated it because back when I lived with my biological parents, I could do whatever I wanted. And a lot of times we think we're kind of socializing or or trying to give youth structure, but really we're only uh, we're only really like butting heads with them and making things harder. So meeting youth where they are, meeting them where they are, and then kind of being a shepherd and supporting them along the way to get them to get them where they need to be. And I think so many times we expect youth to get out of their comfort zone and meet us where we are, but instead of meeting in the middle or meeting youth where they are. So I do trainings with a lot of parents, a lot of social workers around getting out of their comfort zone, because when we take youth out of, you know, a home, maybe filled with drugs or violence, we think we're saving them again, but really that's their comfort zone. That's where they know how to survive. That's their normal. So uh, you're bringing them out of their comfort zone and into chaos and meeting them in the middle is something I always encourage and train people on how to do. No, that's really good. And, 
you know, thinking about that fi- family dynamic, I know that one thing that you've alluded to in this uh, in this podcast, but then also in your book, of course, is this theme around generational trauma. Um, At one point, uh, Alexis wrote in your guys' book, she says, our parents set the foundation and standard for love. We learn how to love and receive love from them. But if parents are unaware of what healthy love is themselves, it is inevitable for children to inherit destructive habits and patterns for their parents. This kind of speaks to what you were saying a minute ago. She continues, uh, this cycle allows people that are unfamiliar with love to define what love is for generations to come. You know, uh, thinking about, okay, building a community around children, uh, ensuring that love is expressed in children and youth are supported. That's the positive side. Then you also have this generational trauma side. Um, can you just expand a little bit on that that theme and, and even what Alexis wrote in here and, you know, just help us understand what overcoming generational trauma and destructive patterns even looks like? Yeah, yeah, of course. So we do a lot of workshops with youth. And one of the questions that we ask them is, what's your definition of love? How do you express it for yourself and other people? And I have to say, I've heard some just heartbreaking answers of they share times where they were heartbroken by family. And we're not exactly going down that road during workshops, but a lot of times they hear our story and want to share more about their experiences. A lot of people just said that love hurts and I don't want anything to do with love. And so because of as a child, the people who are closest to them, people who brought them in this world, maybe abused them, hurt them or, you know, uh, uh, didn't didn't take care of them. So because of that, their trust, their concept of love is is messed up. And for example, like if if our, our parents set the expectation and the foundation of who we are and um, my dad can abuse physically abuse my mom whenever he wants or maybe come back with a gift or whatever it may be to make things right then in my mind i'm thinking okay i can do whatever i want to you as long as i make up for it or and and you know maybe give you a gift maybe apologize whatever it may be but in our reality i'm manipulating you and covering up my flaws and insecurities so not only does that show that i can't express my what i'm going through emotionally that kind of normalizes the cycle of violence in general and i'm starting to see that you can see that in my you know sibling group now so uh with that being said it's just part of the reason why we want to even write this book is because parents play such an important role in uh, who we are and our ideas and our definitions of love, of relationship, of marriage, and so many other concepts of family. And we wanted to put ourselves out there, be vulnerable and say, hey, this is what we've experienced. But moving forward, we have a different standard and expectation for ourselves as we create our family. No, that's really good, Justin. And 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 hopefully all parents, you know, as you guys, as as parents, I know this was a conversation for my wife and I, there are things that we just don't want to pass along, you know, that were passed along to us. And I, I love my folks. They have great, you know, like, like I, I really do. But but even in those situations, there's going to be things where it's just like, you know, what, that's not going to be a part of our culture going forward and what we yeah. establish for our kids. So I think that's really healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great stuff here from Redefining Normal. Uh, our listeners can uh, find it on Amazon. Um, Justin, any other things uh, before we uh, get to our closing questions, anything else that you want to uh, plug and just kind of point people towards with with some of the enterprise and different things that that you guys are working on. 
Yeah, of course. So uh, with Redefining Normal, we have our website and not sure when this will be released, but top of the year, uh, December 2023, we are looking forward to our rebrand, new website and all that. But feel free to visit us and contact us now. Our website is redefiningnormal.com. You can get Redefining Normal merch, uh, books, our companion guides for youth, our faith-based companion guides. So read those along with the book itself. Um, and just be able to contact us for training, speaking engagement, speaking engagements, keynotes, and all that good stuff uh, at our website or email us at info at redashdefiningnormal.com. That sounds great. And uh, we'll have that in the show notes as well. Um, so definitely check that out, uh, folks. Definitely, if this is something that's that's grabbed you today, I mean, for sure, go grab that book and go check out the website. Uh, we always uh, have a couple questions for our guests, and we uh, will do those right now. I've always loved these love these questions just to learn stuff, but also, you know, to get some resources for, for us, for our, for our audience as well. The first question uh, we always ask is, what have you read, watched, or listened to that has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children and their families with excellence? Oh, man. What have I read that has helped me most? Um, there's been, I feel like, a few books. Uh, there have been two books. Well, well first, <laughs> the Bible has helped me a mm -hmm. lot. But uh, I would say there's a book called The Alternative and I really don't, man, I'm, I'm mad. I don't remember the author, but there's a book called The Alternative. If you look it up, it's like a white book and um, there's a white book and the author is Hispanic. And it's basically about how we can encourage communities to build the resources that they have for themselves because they know their situation and their circumstances most. So you can not only just give them the resources that they need, but you give them the information that they need to build the resources because the resources that they need are not external outside of their community, but it's internal. It's inside their community. It's just waiting on, it's just, we're just waiting for them to, to create it themselves. So uh, the alternative, uh, I'm not even doing the book justice, just describing it, but it's such <laughs> is, a, it, is it by Mauricio L. Miller? Is that right? The alternative, most of what you believe about poverty is wrong? Yes, I think so. Yes. That, okay, that cool. I found it on Amazon. There you go. <laughs> if not, go read that book too. So yeah, that, that looks like a good book. We'll all right. All right. Cool. Um, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, you're not the first person to forget the author. They, several have forgotten the book title. They'll just like, oh, yeah, it's this book. It's great. You should check it out. And I'm kind of <laughs> I, I pick a book that sounds like it and throw it in the show notes. So um, glad we figured that out beforehand. So that's uh, no, love that. Love that. Bible is always a solid choice as well. So when in doubt, go to the Bible. That's that's uh, that's my rule. That's my rule. All right. Um, last question. What what person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence? Um, I would say easily either my wife or her parents or her adoptive parents. Um, so just a quick story. Uh, back in 2020, when the pandemic hit, I was a senior in college. I've, I was on my fifth study abroad. Just a, a fun fact, my, me and Alexis have studied abroad 13, time, 13 times combined and been to wow. over 30 countries in our college years. And 2020, I'm getting ready to graduate. My goal is to study abroad for the semester. My last year uh, in college uh, in South Africa, and I'm there. I get there uh, January 2020. The pandemic hits in March. I have to leave uh, and I'm supposed to graduate in June. 
and I'm I'm back in the U.S. taking classes online. But really, a lot of foster care youth are being kicked off of campus, just chaos everywhere. And I thought I would be homeless at the time. But her parents, her adoptive parents said, hey, why don't you come live with us? So me and Alexis went to live with her adoptive parents. And I had to stay in an RV for two weeks outside of their house to quarantine because I'm coming from out the country. So I had to stay in their RV outside of their house for two weeks. Uh, and that's really where the book process began. But the most beautiful thing is that throughout my entire life, uh, a lot of my family, if you need to get a ride up the street, they're asking how much is gas, like how much you're going to pay me, what you're going to give me for, for me to do something for you. And it was always an exchange system. And if you didn't, you know, uh, uh, give or you didn't have anything to give, then they weren't going to do it for you. But at this time, and when I'm at my most vulnerable state, probably, uh, and I have nothing to give, no job, still a student, technically uh, applying for jobs, didn't get anything. They allow us to stay with them for nine months during the pandemic and not even look for work, but just write this book, write this book called Redefining Normal. And we published a book in November 2020 and we used the funds from the book uh, to buy our first home in December 2020. And it's that type of love. I say it is that God type of love where you are just serving and contributing and you're not receiving anything back. I might have babysit for the other kids in the house or did something like that. Uh, maybe just clean up after myself, cut grass, you know, small stuff like that. But they just loved me and contributed to me. And when I didn't have anything else to give them and that really helped me with my method of serving, my method of leadership and how I want to contribute and support other people. If I give, I don't want I don't want anything in return, but I just want to see that person smile and make them feel good and help them understand the love of God and what that truly means. Mm. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for putting those words on paper. And uh, so we can all we can all learn from them and and uh, just hopefully do uh, a lot of the things that you're talking about doing in different people's lives so we can help kids to flourish. Of course. Yeah. Uh, thank you all so much again for having me on. I definitely just appreciate the opportunity to speak to you all and your audience. And uh, one more thing I would like to plug before I go. Um, in our book, we talk about a lot of trauma, uh, healing from that trauma, being able to overcome it and providing the strategies of that. But part of our business is talking about generational trauma, but also what goes into creating generational success. So with that being said, and on April 2nd, which just so happens to be my birthday, April 2nd, 2023, we are releasing our second book, uh, a children's book uh, series, or the first of our children's book series. And this book is called I Love You More Than Cereal. My wife and I are huge cereal lovers, and we want to talk about uh, the definition of love. And what that means from a child's perspective, uh, the sacrificial meaning of love, the mutual respect, uh, love being patient, kind, and not doing wrong to each other. How can we be super focused and intentional about creating a loving environment within families, friendships, and it's just our community in general? So April 2nd, 2023, we're releasing our I Love You More Than Serial book. And now we're, we're building up our launch team for feedback on our merch, the book itself, and all that good stuff, and just excited for the process all together. All right. All right. So, Justin, a couple of things. First of all, my son's name is Justin and his uh -huh. birthday. Get ready for it. It's April 2nd. So no, that's am, I, am I your stuff. son? 
Yeah. Am I your son? I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It's oh, man. My like mom's it. got some explaining to do. I don't know. Well, my last name's Dark. Yours is Black. I think they got it wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are. I don't know. But, we'll some, but somehow Dark we'll and Black go together, too. It, that's what I'm saying. Oh, which is that's actually even kind of maybe more weird. They, yeah. Maybe they kind of you know screwed up on the last name there or something. I don't know. We'll oh, see. Goodness. We'll see. This, this is the craziest thing. I don't know. You got to be making know. this up. We'll see. I'm not making it up. I can't. I got, oh. I got engaged on April 2nd, too, actually. How old are you? I mean, it might have been on your birthday. I was engaged. Oh, was man. I'll, 20, well, I'll be turning 26 next year. So, okay. Yeah. You got, you got, you, it's a little bit later that we got engaged. But uh, anyway, yeah. hey, that's so good. That's so good. I love it. I can like take some lessons on, uh, on promotion too. I got to, I got to learn to, to get good stuff out there because when it's good stuff, you want to share it. I love it. I love it. Um, I, absolutely. Look forward to that. Yeah, no, definitely. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show with us, man. And uh, all the best to you, Alexis, and the new baby. How how old's your little one? Uh, she's right now, she's 11 weeks going on 12 weeks. Time Woo. is flying. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, try and get some sleep, brother. And uh, thanks for coming right. on the show. No, thank you all so much again. I appreciate everything. Well, that was... Uh... Great to, great to, I, you know, I don't really know Justin, but great to just kind of meet him and and hear a bit about his story. Obviously, we have such a value of getting care experienced people on the pod and, and because that's, I mean, I, I, they're just the experts. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, like they know as well as anyone. And it's encouraging, you know, when you see somebody um, that has gone through adversity, but now an adult and married and a father and, connected with the church and you know it's just i i just love uh you know hearing about what god's doing in in his in his life and in his family's life so uh yeah it was great to have justin in here uh what what stuck out to you phil you know one of the things we we talked about i had mentioned the idea that we're we're not the savior right i think that's a huge one um the the other thing that i really he touched on at the end and i'm glad he went there was the idea of generational successes right you know to to focus on the things and to point out. And I think to teach our kids too, like intentionally teach them these things that we are doing this for a reason. Um, we want to teach you and train you up on what it means to be a father, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. And the one that I, you know, we were talking about uh, earlier is, you know, you and I, and actually, as we were talking about this is the idea of, of, I had a, a young man and talked to me about wanting to, to date my wife, which I thought, my wife, not my wife. That'd be weird. I was going to say, yeah, that, I don't know really what kind of marriage you have no. I would have said no for the record. I would have said no very quickly. Hard no. Um, for, for, I, you'll see why I said my the wife. It wasn't like a Freudian sleep thing. It was, that would be, that'd be really weird. This was, he wanted to date my daughter. And um, and I thought, first of all, that was super cool that he that he came to me. Like how many young men come to you just to, to date? That was I thought that was really cool. But he wanted to honor that. Um. But I said to him, I said, you know, the thing is, my daughter has been trained up her whole life that the the husband or the man cherishes um, his his wife and and the woman, you know, and so that's what she'll expect. And so and, you know, as as her father, I would expect that, too, you know, and there was a whole lot more to that conversation. But that idea that I've been raising my kids, that if they talk to my wife in an, in an appropriate way, it's not don't talk to your mother like that. It's don't talk to my wife like that. That's my wife. You know, yes, it's your mother, too, and you respect your elders, and I will protect my wife. And that's that's 
for obviously one is to show them that I love her so much. And that's so that's security for them, but also to train them up as a woman. This is how you should be treated as a male. This is how you treat your, you know, your future spouse, your future wife. So those are things that I think are, are huge from a, you know, yes, there's the net. We tend to focus on the negative that the abuse, we, we repeat our father's sins. We, you know, abusive families tend to have abusive children, you know, hurt children, hurt children. Yes. But what about the healthy? How can we, we really inspire people to the healthy people help others to flourish? Right. right. What does that look like? And I think we need more of that in society rather than focusing on the negative make sure we are promoting and pushing and encouraging and cheering and celebrating the positive um, because that, that will, that's what's going to change and transform. Um, and I think, you know, we need to have a both and to say, we got to stop the negative, but what are we replacing it with? Right. Are we just saying, stop it? Are we saying, no, there's a better way. And here's this better way. And here's why you want to do it. It's amazing. When you have this and you have a picture of those marriages, when you have a picture of those families, um, it's, it is amazing. Yeah, no, that's good, man. And, and I think that that's a huge premise. You know, I think him and Alexis are looking back on their own childhood and realizing the need to establish a positive, you know, generational success, a, pro a positive generational ethic that, that maybe wasn't, you know, uh, exemplified, you know, mm -hmm. in their families growing up. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would say, I would say no to anybody dating my wife yeah. and, yes. and no to anybody that. dating my daughter. Cause she's only yes. 10. Yes. Um, good point. but, uh, but I love, I love that story of, of how you've modeled that with your own kids and, and, and having, and setting an expectation, you know, even, even as your children are entering adulthood. So, so I love that. Yeah. And and I love what, you know, some of the stuff that Justin was talking about and um, yeah, the, the generational piece is, is huge. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun even hearing him say, share there at the end, you know, he has an infant daughter and uh, Alexis would have joined the conversation as well. If, you know, <laughs> if they had childcare, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I'm just excited for their daughter and, and all that's going to, come as they, you know, set those new cultural and fa family culture standards uh, within their own family. So it's awesome. And, and, you know, I think part of the thing that also stuck out, I think to both of us was this piece around that about around community. Right. And, mm -hmm. and this was one of the things we talked about in our last episode with Adrian Lewis, you know, about care portal and creating those connection points and yes. creating community and, um, I think that that's just critical. You know, it's it's critical to have those types of uh, communities built around where, um, you know, especially if if it's a youth that's in care, where they're getting that you know positive support and encouragement, and um, you know, communicating to these children and youth that have gone through adversity, communicating to them you know, how God sees them and, and the great potential and, and just that they're created in God's image and getting that from multiple people, I think is, is, is really, is really key. Um, so I, I love that that was a part of uh, Justin's story as well. Yeah. Now that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. That's with good, all that man. Stuff. I think well, some good stuff. You know, I, I think we, uh, I think we've had a couple longer episodes, so I think we might have a shorter one, but before we get out the door, 
I suppose it's it's time for recommendations. I don't think we had one in our last episode, not one that was a Brandon or well, Phil recommendation. Yeah. So we've had so many good, really loaded. I mean, not that we didn't have enough recommendation. I mean, Justin's stuff, man, lots of recommendations. Yeah, which plenty of recommendations. Plenty there. of time. Here's one that I have that's a little off the beaten. I mean, it's actually consistent with our last couple of episodes, talking a lot about sports, right? So I'm I'm part of the um, United Soccer Coaches. And we have a faith-based committee, which is a really cool thing that, you know, we're, we're meeting with these guys. And one of the, one of the folks, actually, this wasn't with that. This was with the, uh, I'm doing a few different things. This was with the, uh, the global sports movement folks. And this guy, a good friend, he's becoming a good friend, uh, Matt with ambassadors football, and they have some really, really cool stuff. They're the real, uh, toward the goal, uh, world cup resources. And so these are children's videos. They're they they're they're these video series, and there's some other materials they have as well. They're not just World Cup stuff. These are things you can use after as well. But in connection with the World Cup, that's going to still be going on when we're talking about this. And there will be a fever pitch for a while after too, right? So kids will be excited about it. These are basically telling the Bible story through soccer, which is. I mean, so cool. And there's these short videos that really are telling the story. And I think of books like the Jesus Storybook Bible, right? That puts the, I mean, such a great book that it's simplicity, right? That it goes back to, it's all about Jesus, right? Points to Jesus. It's about Jesus. It points back to Jesus, right? Like that's what the types of stuff that these are doing for these kids to go, oh, okay. So it's not just a dude slinging a stone at a big guy, right? Like what's the bigger picture? And that's what I love about these things is they they really focus and keep the main thing the main thing. And they're simple. They're fun. They're cool little videos. Um, very, very well done. And so you can find it at ambassadorsfootball.org. And you can just check it out toward the goal. It's right there at the top of their page. And you can click on it and it will go to this, this a bunch of resources. They're all free. And uh, you can use them. They want you to use them. They said, yeah, please get it out there and use them and just take them and use them. And you don't, they don't care who gets the credit, right? They just want a team. It's all about the team. So I love it. That's awesome. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes as well. And, and hopefully capitalize on what the U S men's national team, which we can only hope is doing well. Their, their group wasn't too bad. So hopefully it's, a, it's one of those groups that like any of the four could move on. It's crazy. Right. It's like, it's, they could go on as the number one or they could be number four. I, it just depends on the games and how they go. And it's a super well, young team too. So, right. Um, Which I think we need, we needed a new fresh I, young team. I don't last year, last, last world cup. We were, we didn't even in make like it. the group of death. Well, sorry, no, we didn't make last, it. last time we were in the world cup, I should say eight years ago, mm-hmm. we were in the group of death, which was a bummer. So yeah. anyways, capitalize on the world cup, get into uh, the scripture resources that we will link in the show note that Phil yeah. just uh, shared. And, Phil, Sounds I think good. that's going to do it for us, man. Yeah, one, 100%. Great, great. Another great episode. Love it. Um, super encouraged by the feedback we're getting. Keep it coming. Um, give us different guests. Please give us your thoughts about what, what's going on, how we can make it better. Um, and, you know, use use all this stuff that we're talking about. Most importantly, we talk about this and we mean it. Take it, use it to help you to understand how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great couple of weeks. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.